to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is a degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. It's easy to be growing in Bible knowledge and learning things about God, but not necessarily growing into becoming a more loving, humble, approachable, and teachable person. Welcome to the Cliff Temple Podcast. This week, I'm joined with Carrie Sims. My name is Trevor Jameson, and we're going to be talking about uh, walking through seasons of grief and loss, a heavy topic, um, but I think a really good one and that one that Carrie is able to just articulate really, really well. So I'm excited to um, hear just hear what you have to say today. Um, the Cliff Temple Podcast is just our way of being able to have discipleship on the go so that you can listen to these podcasts and kind of refresh or remind some of the things that you might have heard on Sunday or some of the things that we talk on Wednesday nights. And Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is a resource that is just really well equipped to help us to do a deeper dive into our souls and to see what sort of emotions we have to deal with, what are some of the things in the background of our life that we maybe never have looked at before. And so this week, one of those things is looking at our limitations and our grief and loss. So Carrie, take it away. Yeah, well, it is it is a heavy topic. So um, we, I think my hope here is that we just begin to kind of crack the door open and, and let some light in, you know, since all of us go through times of grief and loss and um, have experiences where we... Um, we, we, we lose things we love, people we love. We also have to let go of things we love, and that's more of a choice, but it's still, um, you know, it is a, is a loss when we, you know, feel like for whatever reason, whether God's changing and um, leading us in a new direction, but we just have to, there's loss involved when we have to let go of seasons of life or roles we've had vocationally, um, you know, it, it, kids going to college, there's... There's so many ways to experience grief and loss, and I feel like as a society, we uh, we tend to shy away from it and are just, you know, um, on our best days, you know, kind of keep it at the surface level and not, you know, not go too deep with it or too too raw with it, with the emotions of it, the sadness. Um, and at, at our worst, we we numb and um, just find defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms to just uh, kind of, you know, just pretend it's not really happening and so avoid reality. And so a lot of what I wanted to talk about tonight was just um, just reality. Just let's be real about the fact that life is hard and all of us experience grief and loss in different ways, m- multiple ways um, in every season of life. And so... Really, it's about just finding people that you can, safe places where you can share and just carry the burden together. One of the things that you said, you're kind of starting to unravel for us this idea of grief and loss and coping mechanisms and and loss is so much more expansive than maybe just like death, right, in a family. And um, and some of the coping mechanisms that we have, there's this band I don't know if you've heard or anyone listening called Midland. It's Mm-mm. a country band and they have a song called Drinking Problem and the line goes 
people say I've got a drinking problem, but I've got no problem drinking at all. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a point to this, I promise. Uh, and the point of the song is that the drinking isn't the problem. It's a solution to a deeper problem underneath. Yeah. And it's a coping mechanism. And so yeah. there you go, Midland, greatest philosophers of the 21st century. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and 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 so and when we avoid grief and loss, we're just taking something that could be harmless and maybe overdoing it or, you know, even as kind of seemingly innocent as watching watching television or going shopping or these kinds of things where we're we're just busying ourselves to um, to cover up this deeper un, unrest. So what would you say for you was the moment you realized loss is so much more than just um, like death of a family member? Yeah, gosh. When did I really realize that? Um, (laughs) It hasn't been that long ago um, because I I really prefer to keep grief and loss in this tidy little box that has to do with death of a family member, a loved one, a friend. And it, the truth is, it's it's so much more than that. I mean, to be honest, I think we just made a major life transition um, in coming here to Dallas and Cliff Temple, and we're excited about what God's doing, um, to be sure. But there was there was a lot of loss in that because we had planted ourselves in a community and um, really poured everything we had into it, and in the midst of not having our own children, um, we really poured into life, creating spiritual family with. Um, you know, young adults and people in college. And so there was a, there was a real loss in, in leaving the, the spiritual family. Um, we're now closer to biological family, which is great. Um, but that was hard. That was hard to leave. So you recognized the loss um, and something that seems like it was really profound. And we've even already talked about how a spiritual family can be even deeper and more profound um, on this side of having Christ in our lives um what what do you do with it then kind of if like say I can identify a loss one loss that I know um when I read emotionally healthy spirituality for the first time it kind of clicked for me was the loss of my college roommate Mm. um and I mentioned this earlier not because he died but because he stayed in Chicago and I went to Los Angeles Mm -hmm. And um, and it just clicked mm-hmm. like this was a loss, mm-hmm. and I was searching wide and far for a replacement of this yeah. person. So what do we what do we do once yeah. we've identified that? I mean, I think the really the most important thing is just being honest about it with yourself, and then um, even with others, if you know if it's something that you feel like you could you know need to share with others. But I mean, in, in a lot of cases, it just. Mm, the most important thing is just being honest and, and acknowledging that there is a loss, that there is a grief, that there is a sadness um, attached to to this experience. And um, and it brings a lot of freedom once we – I feel like that's part of why it's I, – I feel so – I think it's so important to talk about this is, you know, if we're wanting – if if life with Christ is supposed to, to be about experiencing a deep level of joy and freedom – then this is a big part of that um, because there's so much, if we're able to be honest with ourselves and and the things that kind of the unpopular or uncomfortable emotions of life, then um, then Jesus meets us there and and then we, we realize that we're not alone. 
um, that he sees all of it, that he endures it with us. And it really does. It's not trite. I, until I experienced true suffering, I really did think it was some trite Christian thing when um, people would say, oh, well, you know, when someone was suffering or in, in a tragic situation would kind of throw this, you know, it seemed like a throwaway line to say, you know, well, Jesus has experienced every kind of suffering and he's with you in it. And I, I always kind of bristled and I thought it sounded really trite and um, insensitive. Um, until I experienced deep level of grief and just out of control. Like there was nothing I could do to change the situation. Um, and, and it was there that I realized that there at that point of crucifixion where you're just kind of, you know, out of, out of ideas, out of strength, out of uh, will, um, that the kingdom of God can really break in and bring about hope, joy, freedom, peace um, that only God can provide. Do you think those two things go together? You mentioned at the beginning uh, reaching out to people around you and kind of naming this grief and loss and talking to people about it and then this sort of spiritual aspect. How do how did those two go together? Um, and mm. do you see this kind of happening right now with this mm-hmm. recent move to Dallas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so in the sense that I think they do go together because everything that all the physical is also spiritual and vice versa. So I think it's all connected. But I think the way I would answer that is that um, when when we are willing to share the things the hard things that we carry around in our minds or in our hearts that kind of keep, we keep covered up because they're, um, they're unpleasant, they're uncomfortable, they may cause us to cry in front of people and um, be kind of out of control of our emotions. When we do that, we keep things in some ways in darkness to some degree in the sense that like we were never meant to carry it all alone. And so once we name it, share it, uh, invite others into the conversation, then just by virtue of doing that, it brings things out into the light where, well, um, I don't know, there's, it's into the light. So it's not, it's not this kind of, it's not as scary. It's not as um, heavy because it's not something you're carrying alone. And so I feel like to me, that's where the spiritual and the physical actually meet. So naming it really puts it in the light, even theologically, where we can live more deeply into that and, um, it doesn't have the power over us that maybe it did before in a negative way. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. And I got to say for you, I I mean, it. I don't know. I haven't been through a lot of pastoral transitions in a church, um, but to see you come in and from the get-go just be completely honest about this is a loss in our lives. And because I could imagine a lot of pastoral candidates could have come <laughs> in and said, Cliff Temple Baptist Church is the greatest thing ever. My life will never be the same and everything pales in comparison, right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But, okay, two things there. One, we can see through that that's probably not true, right? Like, there are great people all over the United States. Um, mm. Second of all, uh, yeah, I think it models straight off the bat what you're doing. Um, and I hope other people have noticed this too. Like, um, you guys are modeling authenticity, you're modeling what a real spiritual walk looks like to just be, you know, deal mm. with sadness, but also joy and all the things yeah. in between. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you saying that because 
there is, I, I recognize that that's a, a little, it, it felt uncomfortable when we were in the, this process of, you know, moving in, into share and for the, you know, for the people at Cliff Temple to see our tears about like how, how much we love the thing that we were leaving, um, but also willing to follow God into the new and into what he had next. Um, so there was a real grappling there. And um, so I appreciate that you noticed that and. Yeah, I did feel, I, I think there was a little bit of us that maybe like was a little scared to share it, but we just had to, it was, it, we started crying probably. And it was just like, yeah, we're, we have made deep, we've made, we've made deep family hmm. there mm-hmm. and we've had to create it in the midst of infertility. And so it means a lot for us to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, definitely appreciate it and thankful for your, your honesty through this. Um one thing I noticed um, that you've talked about in the context of this um, walking through grief and loss is we looked at on Sunday um, the story of Jesus um, in the garden and his disciples falling asleep and Jesus being just really honest. And um, it's the famous passage where he's like sweating and mm. I think even some versions say sweating blood. blood. Um and uh, and Schizero in his book was right to parallel this with the story of Job. I mm. um, I think it's intentional there mm. that Job also had a bunch of friends who just fell asleep on the job. You know, mm. um, what do you think we can learn from the scriptures in this? Yeah. What does the model of Jesus or Job take your pick? Um, like, what is that model for us about mm-hmm. this? Yeah. Wow. That's a great a great question. Um, there's probably a couple ways to answer it, but I think I identify really deeply, well, even in this kind of, I have identified over this transition period in some ways with, um, with Jesus in the garden and just, you know, just really wrestling with God, you know, um, what, what are you doing? And, um, uh, yeah. And how, and basically how am I going to survive this or not? Mm. Um, but then the reality of course is that. The point isn't always to survive because um, that's when the new the new life comes. It's, but it has to come from a death, from a willingness to lay down your life. Um, but what I love about what Jesus does in the Garden of Gethsemane was modeling even for us how important community is. That he wanted to take his disciples to the garden to the to pray. He was upset that they were sleeping because he needed them. I think that's how I read it. He was um, he was really trying to share this moment with them. Um, and they, they would, they would fall asleep. And so I think he was sad and, and, um, sad, frustrated, but also really, really wanted to share this moment with them. This story also speaks to me, um, when I read it just of, I don't know, I'm, I feel like everyone has been through a season in their lives where they've gone through a hard time and it felt like your friends weren't around. Yeah. And um, and Jesus knows that pain in a real way. And I wonder if that, you know, that's got to yeah. be like one of the biggest stabs in the back, right? It's not yeah. like Judas. Right. I don't know. I think we all in life, we want just Judas to come out and just stab us in the back and be like, all right, at least I know where you're at. Right. Yeah, but right. the other ones, you know, to be like just yeah. that sort of existential sort of loss where you're like, Mm. You you didn't mean to hurt me, but you did, yes. and I don't know how to express this. And Jesus, I mean Jesus, 
yeah. wonderfully expresses it um, yes. in the moment by teaching them, you know, the whole flesh is willing, but the spirit, or the yes. spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So That's right. You know. Yeah, I think you're right that that is more, it's kind of like if grief and loss is, loss is more than about death of loved ones, you know, the um, this sort of... Uh, existential loss that you're talking about or this sort of hard to it's not so concrete it's not so brutal it's more subtle it's more kind of like hard to describe um yeah it but it's it's probably more incestuous in some ways Mm -hmm. yeah um can you uh just to kind of wrap this up can you kind of help us understand a little bit about how grief pertains to limits i think sometimes that that can be a little confusing Mm, um to kind of parse out so can can you parse that out for me yeah um i think what at least in the book what um pete scazzaro is is pointing to is there's different ways to think about limits. there's limits of our body so as we get older if we have an injury um i mean there's a lot of loss involved i'm (laughs) i'm someone who really likes to be active so if i have an injury um that is a loss um, you know, just getting older, just aware of, of that as a loss, um, sort of diminishing returns. Um, so you can have limits in your, um, yeah, body. Also, um, how else does he describe limits? Um, I guess just even in what you're, you know, I, you know, our personalities are different. Like I even think about Gannon and I, and, you know, we're, you know, we, we can, we're different in how we approach things. And so we have different capacities. So I may be limited in a way that that he isn't and vice versa. And they're different they're different ways of limiting just by our the way that we are wired. Um and I maybe that's too vague, but um I'm trying to think specifically. Um there's some other limits. I wish I had it right in front of me. Well, I think though I mean I think you've touched on a bunch and I yeah. I do think it makes sense, right? That there's limitations of not being able to read your spouse's mind, right? And <laughs> huge limitation. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a marriage therapist, but um, I gotta believe that's like number one marriage problem right there, right? Is um, I thought you were being mean to me. Well, I said it this way, but I didn't mean it mean. And this blah blah blah, right? We've all been there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, I won't say we've all been there. I will use I language because that's good. <laughs> it's good, emotionally <laughs> healthy. Yeah, um, I've been there, right? Um, and so, yeah, just this sort of recognizing limitation, and sometimes we can mourn that loss. I yeah. think is what you're saying, and that like, gosh, uh, I remember thinking, <laughs> I think about regularly, like, God, I'm thankful too that I have like working legs and stuff, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But that's like a limitation, you know, if that were not to be there one day that mm-hmm. I have to release to God um, yeah. and recognize there's death of all kinds yeah. around us, whether it's existential or bodily or psychologically or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, I don't know. Well, and even the some limits, rules. Right? I'm just thinking limits of like even like rules that are in place, like societal rules or even um, – um, yeah, just, um, I mean, this is kind of a silly thing, but I'm thinking of how, you know, it used to be that, you know, people farmed the land. That's how they lived. They farmed the land. So they got up with the sun. They went down with the sun. Well, now we have all the lights and all the technology and 
So we just think we're, we can, we, we don't have limits when it comes to rest in some ways. We just think that we can always get stuff done. So that, that's another way that I, I could see how limits could be, well, it could be a loss, but also could be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to kind of wrap us up, would you mind just walking us through, um, kind of this idea, Schizero brings up an idea in his book of looking at losses throughout our life. Um, why, why do that? I know maybe that's not, that's a silly question, but like, Mm. why, why do I need to look back at losses when I was four, if I'm Mm. 29, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what do you, what do you think is behind that? Yeah. Well, I, I think... I mean, I don't know exactly what he was after, but I know that when I did that exercise, I found some patterns of my response, patterns of behavior responding to losses and disappointments in the first half of my life. And it was really, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of wild, like every section, like, you know, three to 12, 13 to 18 and on up until I was, you know, 40 plus, um, I saw that there was, there was kind of a theme in how I responded and then all of a sudden, when um, when I think I hit that like deep grief that only Jesus's presence can comfort, then it's like I that's I hit this like then it like something fell into place, and then I saw differently the fragility of life, the um, the beauty of life, the, uh, the the how it's fleeting and how it's precious, and so I. I don't know. I don't know if that even. I don't know what exactly what is after, but I think. Um, I think just he's a proponent of having a reflective life and being sure. reflective yeah. in life, and just being aware of, um, yeah, where kind of the the dysfunctional ways that we manage our emotions, and then some of, the, and then you know, hopefully, ultimately, um, start leaning in and and look at the model that Jesus gives us about how to even embrace loss well i mean you yeah know. yeah no i think um what you said is really interesting to me because initially i was thinking too that maybe you would reflect on your earlier years to see um i think you used the phrase before like have absorbed those losses into mm-hmm. your life not just gotten over them um which i'm sure is probably part of the exercise but um i like how you combine sort of tracing this genealogy of things and losses that continue um because of course i think in a way we have to interpret our losses we have to absorb them somehow and um and it affects us for the rest of our life and maybe it affects the way we see future losses which is interesting i never thought about that well i didn't either until i did the exercise sure so that's why i was like oh that was that was helpful yeah that's cool Hmm. Well, would you mind um, just closing us out and uh, just uh, saying like a prayer just that we would, as a people, uh, as Christian people, just learn to deal with loss well, Mm. to recognize our limits and just kind of to be mature people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Well, Lord, we do uh, thank you that you are resurrection and life and that you hold all life, God, and... um, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so, but sometimes and oftentimes, the way to the fullness of that life is through death, is through letting go, is through um, deep grief and deep loss. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would, um, you would help all of us 
to walk more closely with you, not to run from these emotions, but to to embrace them just like you did in the garden and even bringing your um, your disciples with you. Would we lean into friendship? Would we lean in to community um, so that we know that um, we're not alone physically and, and also with you? So I thank you, God, that you are doing a new thing and um, that we can trust you to bring uh, to bring new things out of the, the things that, that die that we, that we lose hold of. So continue to lead and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name.